as funny as that is, it is crazy of a decision it was. Nothing broke. So uh, I guess this is an ad for Hello Vans. If you need a cheap mover in London, <laughs> HelloVans.com. Our first sponsor. You did a ringing endorsement as a host. Perfect host read. Nothing uh, broke. It, nothing broke. I it saved 2,000 pounds. It was, it was a totally worthwhile bet. And they did it all in one day. I mean, they did finish at 10 p.m. And they were super mad about it. But five stars. <laughs> Welcome to the, I want to say, 20th episode of Partial Recall. I think 20th also. Uh, I'm Daniel. I'm one of the hosts. I'm here with my friend Yishai, the 20th of the hosts? No, the other hosts. Uh, <laughs> Imagine. Yishai, uh, why don't you tell people what this, <laughs> why don't you tell people what this podcast is about? Imagine you were such a terrible co-host that every one of your co-hosts quit after one episode. And I'm the 20th co-host you had. No, you're a wonderful co-host. And we are now 20 episodes strong. Uh, kind of crazy we've done this, 20 of these. I know. Um, I think uh, in both directions. I feel like we've been doing this for so long that 20 actually seems not as many as I would have imagined for the amount of time we've put into this. Um, but also 20 is a big number. Um, anyway, for people who are listening for the first time wondering, like, oh, they've done a lot of these. It must be good. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's dispel you of the notion that it must be good. Yisha, uh, tell people what it's about. Uh, this podcast is about movies that we've seen as kids. Uh, this is the, uh, 20th movie we've seen as kids, uh, that we, uh, only sort of remember. And so in the first half of the episode, we try to re create the plot from memory and then we break watch the movie and then we reconvene to discuss what we got right what we got wrong and if the movie held up uh and as these are movies from our childhood and now we have our own children uh we're trying to decide um <laughs> uh if these are movies that are worth showing to them uh, so that is a factor that we are uh, considering as well as we uh, rewatch these movies. Um, Daniel, what uh, are we talking about this week? Uh, this week, we will be talking about the 1985 movie, I think from the year both of us were born, Yeah, uh, The Goonies, another Steven Spielberg Presents. Yep. Uh, Steven Spielberg Presents. Uh, so yeah, so let's let's talk. Or as we call him on this podcast, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Uh, um, a note to the listener we don't call him that yeah uh, <laughs> we never want to stop the steel then he should keep making movies um okay <laughs> um so some facts about this movie uh this movie was directed by richard donner uh, a screenplay by chris columbus so okay so i chris columbus didn't direct it the screenplay was by chris columbus but the story was by steven spielberg uh so Chris Columbus executed mm. Steven Spielberg's vision, uh, I would assume. We'll probably get into more research uh, 
in the next half of the movie, but that I believe is how it happened. Uh, it stars a murderer's row of child actors. Uh, Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, actually, uh, I think of him more as an adult actor, but that's interesting. Uh, Jeff Cohen, don't know who that is. Uh, Corey Feldman, definitely know who that is. Carrie Green, don't know who that is. Martha Plimpton, know who that is. Ki Hui Kwan, uh, of the uh, recent resurgence of everything, everything everywhere, everywhere all at once. once. Uh, yeah. um, and that's as far as this list goes, but I also saw that uh, our friend Joey Pants was in this as well. Uh, oh. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, it was produced by Amblin and distributed by Warner Brothers. So again, like in the Spielbergian uh, uh, sandbox. Um, it was released June 7th, 1985, which I believe is exactly a year to the day that gremlins was released is that Didn't right we? june 6th yeah it is june 6th right june 7th right i think that's it was it was yeah that same weekend basically the yeah. first weekend of june yeah uh so i guess steven spielberg had a preference uh as far as that goes uh a running time of 114 minutes uh, so I get like all these movies, man, from like the eighties and stuff, they knew how to clock in under two hours, uh, which is something that movies these days, uh, do not, uh, it had a budget of 19 million and a box office, I assume again, global of 125 million. So I don't know, like, I'm trying to think not like undeniable, huge success, but pretty successful, right? The Goonies is one that feels to me like it is ripe for, uh, like a like a sequel kind of deal. Yeah. They would maybe call it the Toonies with the number Ooh, two. Yeah. Too fast, too goony, etc. Uh but the problem is you couldn't remake this movie because none of the cultural dynamics of this movie make any sense today. In the sense that these kids just play on their own, on their bikes, wherever they want to be. And everyone's yeah. okay with that. Uh, yeah. Well, that's in, a good, if you yes. remade this movie today, all of the parents would go to jail. <laughs> Before the movie starts, they'd just be like, oh, you let your kid go on a bike ride with his friends to some Popeye Jones's house? No, uh, I mean... And we'll, I we think... will have to talk about the fact that the monster from Goonies looks exactly like Popeye Jones, former NBA player. That's my one main memory of this movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, sometimes, I, can, I confuse uh, that monster with the Toxic Avenger. Um, yeah, well, I, I confused that monster with, and I apologize, Popeye Jones. This is very mean. If Popeye Jones, I know you're a big Puerto <laughs> Recall head, uh, but you're also a big monster from Goonies head. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but it's true. <laughs> um, yes, I remember that. Okay, well, so I guess what do you remember about seeing Goonies for the first time? Obviously, you did not see it the year it came out. Correct. I don't really remember. It's another one of these where I don't really remember seeing it for the first time. But I just, this is another movie that I've just always seen. Uh, and like, it's just, it's a movie I've always, it's in my head is like, I, oh yeah, I've seen that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have no memory of seeing it. Yep. But I could always say that I have seen it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, just, <laughs> I just got your picture of that. Did you Google Popeye Jones Goonies monster? No, like, I literally, he looks especially uh, Goonies-ish I in this photo. Popeye Jones, 
That's really funny. <laughs> I we'll have like, to put this in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, and again, apologies to Popeye Jones. You're a very successful basketball player, and all of that. Don't click on any of the other links. I'm just putting in the links for the show. Yep. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's I mean, very funny. Okay, so you, yeah, I, I think I'm the same. Like, I don't have any strong recollection. Although, where no, but I, I loved do... this movie because I always wanted to go on an adventure. Like, I wanted to yeah. stumble into like a mine filled with gold, or like a corrupt plot by real estate developers, or like meet my own monster. Like, yeah, this was so magical uh, of a movie. Yeah. Um, well, did you have anywhere to your point in your neighborhood where you would just like wander? on your own with friends that like felt like it had this kind of potential. Right up until you said the word friends. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running for you on the show. I just don't have any yeah. friends. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, who wouldn't want to play your Star Wars? When I was, how old do you think the kids are in this movie from your recollection? Uh, between nine and 11 years old. Okay. When I was 11 years old, I used to bike with my friends to the grocery store and we would buy okay. scratch off lottery tickets. Uh, so you were like a, and that's about, a juvenile delinquent. Yeah, that's how we got our sense of adventure was scratching lucky sevens. And then when we would okay, win you, so like you didn't 20 have bucks, we would give it to one of our moms to be like, can you please bring this to the grocery store and get us our $20? Uh, <laughs> you were just like scratching off your lottery tickets and just like throw on the floor and light your cigarette and be like, lost again. Yeah, no, uh, we didn't have cigarettes. We had those those gum, you know, that were wrapped in paper. Oh, and yeah. had the flower, yeah. and you could, like, blow it out, and it looked like a little smoke. Isn't that uh, weird that they marketed uh, chewing gum to kids as, like, smoking is really cool, but you can't do it yet. So here's, I, like... I think we've talked about this. As, as a millennial, I think smoking looks so cool. It does. Like, I... I I just can't get past like how cool it was, and it was marketed. No, it doesn't look cool when you do that. <laughs> uh, for the listener, you try his pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> smoking with a pen in his mouth. Uh, it doesn't look cool, but man, smoking seems so cool. Uh, but okay, no, um, I wasn't smoking. But we used to do that. We would bike. So, yeah, we would bike around town. But, like, bike to stores. Okay, so when I was a kid, we would bike to the woods behind my house where there were, like, burnt-out cars and, like, like ravines that, like, you know, and caves and, like, rusty, dangerous stuff. And, and like, that was, like, uh, there was a real thrill to that. Like, we were, like, oh, someone can, like, come out of, like, one of these places and, like, kill us or like we could fall and find one a of dead these, body like, yeah stand by me uh, style yeah and so we like really like would like traipse around these we talk again like talking about like an, a bygone era like we're like uh we're going to the woods and we like take our bikes and like go to the woods and like our parents are, like all right be back before dark uh and so we like go and like truly like uh in hindsight like creepy stuff um so like i did have a little bit of that in my childhood um so, like, I think that Yeah, I mean, we would play like, in the woods, too. We didn't have woods that wild. Yeah. Quite. Um, yeah, I actually... now. What's I, the I craziest like thing back. you guys ever found? That's a good question. I just remember distinctly, like, this... Um, I think it was, like, a, a VW bug that was, like, all burnt out and rusty. And, like, we used to, like, explore that. But I don't think we found anything, like, particularly uh, 
except for probably just like broken glass and needles and stuff that we probably shouldn't have been near. <laughs> Scratched off lottery tickets that me and my friends do yeah. there. <laughs> yes. uh, exactly. Uh, but like he does like. Secretary. But yeah, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You got it. I have a, t- a total non sequitur because you said VW bug and made me think of Transformers for some reason. Okay. And this is like totally unrelated to the podcast, but I was just thinking about the in the new Transformers of Beast Wars, Optimus Prime. Like there's like a gorilla version of Optimus Prime and he's called Optimus Primal. And I was like, does that mean if you made a Jewish version of the Transformers, he would be called Optimus Strymal? And then I was like, is that anything? <laughs> anyway, it's not anything. <laughs> Optimus Strymal is like when you go to the Strymal store and you're like, what do you have? And they're like, show you the Strymal. They're like, no, 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 I want the special one. And you're like, oh, you want Optimus Strymal. Right, I want the Mahatran like the back, Yeah, take you to the back room, open a box. And there's like a really fancy Strymal. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I just have to make it the opening of every podcast the Jewish, the Jewiest possible thing that yeah. I can. So, oh, I respect it. Uh, I respect it. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, VW bug. how did VW debug? Oh, like, okay. It just made me think of a Transformer because, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, one yeah. of them, I think in the first Transformers movie, Bumblebee is a VW at first. Right. And then he transforms into like a Corvette. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like, why would he want to be a lame? Whatever. Anyway, uh, Goonies, like, <laughs> this probably would be a lame VW bug when you could be a furry hat. For a mensch to wear. <laughs> okay. So Goonies, right? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Oy vey. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Goonies, like, really... There's something about these, like, 80s Spielberg movies, and I'm probably the first person to say this, uh, that really, like, captured the, the the childhood-type imagination where, like, you know, he's gone on to, like, make a ton of great movies, but, like, these, like, 80, 80s movies, like, were so... Like, and again, you think about, like, uh, you know, Stranger Things and all these, like, shows that are now, like, mining that same thing, but, like, this is what they're, like, tapping into. It's the template. Uh, in that way. It's yeah. the template. And so, like... It I do is, want to point. Uh, no, I feel like there's just like there's inherent nostalgia and like adventure, like a feeling of like fun and adventure in just like thinking about this movie in general and just like movies of this ilk. Yeah, I do want to point out for the listener, either the new listener or just remind the old listener that in our Hook episode, you questioned whether Steven Spielberg had ever made a good kids movie. <laughs> Well, he directed. Okay, so but we were looking at his his <laughs> directing like, this guy credits. Direct movies for kids, and I'm like, uh, ET. And you're like, that's not for kids. And when Josh, like, that's definitely not for kids. Yeah. Okay, but like we we didn't factor in Steven Spielberg presents. There's a whole, you know, now we're on a whole streak of these things. It's um, true. It's true. Okay, so what do you remember about the Steven Spielberg presentation? Uh, so I, you know, what's funny, and I, this is again part partially why I wanted to to do this. Uh, I don't remember a ton. Um, I remember, okay, here's what I remember about the movie. And again, like, I feel like I'm on a streak of, like, really not remembering movies very well, which is, I, I find fun. Uh, it is about a group of kids. Uh, there is some kind of, like, uh, mansion or, like, decrepit, like, house that they hang out in and some, 
uh, construction company or like in some like mobbed up, you know, company um, wants to like tear it down to like build like a power plant or something. Like I think it's maybe the Scapelli brothers. <laughs> it, I I think it's it's a name like that. Uh, yep. uh, like to the point where I'm like, is this connected? Yeah. And so like the kids uh, don't want that to happen somehow. Like what they like go there to like say goodbye or like stop it, like try to find a way to stop it or whatever. And like they find a uh, treasure map and end up in these like underground caves where like there's a lot of booby traps that they have to like evade. Uh, and then they meet this Popeye Jones monster <laughs> down there. Uh, there is like a pivotal scene in which the kids are in imminent danger and the monster saves them. I believe. Correct. So they think that he's a monster, but really he just looks... God, it's so mean. He just looks like Popeye Jones. He's not actually a monster. Right. Um, It's too mean. He just looks like a monster. He's actually very nice. He doesn't look exactly like Popeye Jones, I hope. Uh, And and he saves them. That's right. His name is... Do you remember? No, because I keep thinking of Chunk. So Um, Chunk is one of the kids. His name is Sloth. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, is he, it, 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 I hope it doesn't turn out that he's just like a disabled person. You know, I honestly don't remember. I really hope that's not the case. I think he is some kind of like sewer man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? What is a sewer man? <laughs> You said that like it's a thing that everyone would know. Like, no, but like, like one of those you know, sewer people, like, like a person who like was a, like a baby who was like abandoned and like fended for himself. Down uh, you know sewers. exactly what you're thinking of. You're thinking of the penguin from the Batman Returns. Yeah, where they beat Danny DeVito, but when he was a baby, he was born with flippers, and so his parents put him in this threw him in a sewer, and he was raised by penguins in the sewer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I think his sloth is like that. He was raised by sloths in the sewers. Um, <clears throat> so I guess the danger that sloth saves them from is like these Scapelli types who are like, enough with your shenan. I don't know. Or maybe there's like, I, I don't remember who booby-trapped the caves and why. Maybe it was sloth again. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't remember much more than that, except that like the kids are like adorable and they're... Um, uh, very precocious. And they have bikes. They have bikes. And yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's basically it. what I remember. I don't remember pretty much anything other than what you just said. I am okay. going to guess that at least one of the kids' parents is divorced. Okay. Just because do you think, is involved. Well, let's try to do some questions again, even though one of us is usually is the one asking the questions because they remember the plot really well. So let's see how this goes. Do you think one of the kids dies? No. Okay. Do no. you think that... Who's Josh Brolin play in the movie? He's older than all the other kids. In real life? I'm yeah. not sure he is. He is. You looked it up? Here, Josh I think Brolin he's one of the kids. Page... He is 55. How old is Corey Feldman? Uh, Corey Feldman, age 51. Slightly older. I think he's he's just one of the kids. Sean Aston's 52. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, I was thinking maybe he's one of the older brothers. Um, like it's possible. Less in the movie. But it maybe could be. Not. So it's a it's a treasure map they find, right? Yes, I think they find a. Okay, I just looked. Uh, I just tried to look up Kei Kwan's age, and he gave me his age when he played Short Round. And so he was 12. And I'm like, he's not 12. I just saw it in the movie. <laughs> uh, he's 51. So, okay. Josh Brolin's just a little yeah. older than everyone. Uh, okay, I would so venture that he's map. one of the kids. I think they find, yeah. I think it is a treasure map, but it's like an abandoned mine. Right. Um, but do you think they find a treasure? Yes, they find a treasure for sure. Like gold, like money. But do you think that that. How does that help them stop whatever the real estate developers are trying to do? Well, maybe they get to uh, purchase the property. Interesting. As opposed to like they turn it into like a designated site. They're like, there are dinosaur bones here. You can't build whatever you were going to build, Mr. Scapelli. Right. Your garbage disposal company. Uh, Oh, maybe. It could be both. I mean, not both. Sorry. It could be. Those both seem like viable options for what they were trying to do. Cool. So should we look at the poster and see if it helps? Yeah. Well, let me see if I have one more question. Okay. Uh, Do you think that that, do you think the two are connected? I guess the the answer is yes. You think that they find the treasure map and think it will help them stop the Scapelli types from doing what they want to do, as opposed to... They're going into this house for one last time, stumble upon this map, and then go on the adventure of their lifetime. It's interesting. It could be the latter. It could just be that it's unrelated, and then it becomes yeah. related again at the end, right? So like, right. they just find a treasure map, and they're like, ah, they use that treasure to stop the thing. Right. Okay, okay. let's see. TBD. Or wait, do you think the company wants to find the treasure also? Oh, like that's why they want the house? Yes, and also why are they called the Goonies? Why are they called the Goonies? That's probably just the name of their group. Like, did you have a a group when you were a kid? God, I really sound like I didn't have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a group of other humans who hung out with you? Did you have a name for your group? No, but no, like okay, okay. That's, a, that's it's not like. It's... <laughs> oh my god! I just roasted myself. <laughs> I like this podcast. We thought it was going to be one thing, and it just turns out to be you trying to understand childhood friendships, and if they were really like as real as the movies yeah, exactly. depicted them. Were they like yeah. the, just in the movies? Okay. Um, Let's okay, see. So the poster. Let's look at the poster. So in the poster, we see uh, awesome a slightly older-looking Josh Brolin, yep, hanging off of stalactites mm-hmm. or stalagmites, the one that come from the ceiling, mm. um, and a bunch of the kids are holding onto his legs. There's a girl, Kehu Kwan, and then the Chunk. other Chunk, Sean Astin, Corey Feldman. Has- yeah. Okay. Yeah. The and other. Then I can't see yeah. the last kid. All the kids are sort of hanging off each other's legs, and over like a treasure map background. Yeah. Um, it says they call themselves the Goonies. The secret caves, the old lighthouse, the lost map, 
the treacherous, the treacherous traps, the hidden treasure, and sloth join the adventure. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Also, uh, one of these stalactites is breaking off as Josh Brolin's holding it. So he's now holding on with only, with only one hand. Uh, so danger is imminent here. Yeah, this is an amazing uh, poster. And it's really like hand-drawn. It looks so cool. It's really good. A question about Kathleen Kennedy. Yep. What is her deal with, like, Steven Spielberg? Like, is she his, like, forever producer? She is just, like, a super producer because she also produced... The Star uh, Wars stuff, right? And Indiana Jones and, like, E.T. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I know, like... So her I know first she's, film like, as a producer was E.T. Right. She and then from then Park. on, she hitched her cart to Spielberg. Uh, Not to say she uh, doesn't have any talents of her own, but, like, she's been, like... Spielberg's producing partner for like his career essentially her list of produced movies is so long um so producer and executive producer let's look at her she executive produced Gremlins E.T. Indiana Jones Temple of Doom The Color Purple The Money Pit Empire of the Sun Always Arachnophobia Hook Jurassic Park Alive Milk Money The Indian in the Cupboard Congo The Bridges of Madison County Twister A Map of the World Snow Falling on Cedars, The Sixth Sense she produced. Hmm. Uh, I'm skipping some movies. She does Curious all case of the Benjamin Button. Disney Star Wars movies, right? Star Wars The Force Awakens, Rogue One Star Wars Story, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Solo Star yeah. Wars Story, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. She also executive venture, produced a bunch of movies. Like she's, I would venture pretty she's pretty well, well Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the poster. Great poster. Uh, I like in the eye of Goonies, uh, there is a uh, skeleton. Pretty badass. Skull? What I say? Mm. Skeleton? Yeah, it's a skull. Not a whole skeleton. That's what yeah, happens when you have friends. You don't learn the word for skull. Uh, <laughs> Nerd. Uh, yeah, great poster. I don't think it's bringing anything else back. We knew there was a treasure map. We knew there was adventure. I knew that Josh Brolin was older than the other kids. You did. Uh, I was going to say, it's not bringing it back, but it certainly has that vibe uh, for me. Um, yep. Okay. Let's see. The, okay. Let's look at the, the box. Ooh, another okay, awesome so, hand drawing on the front, but different. Very different. Yep. And so there we see it's a pirate treasure. So we see like uh, the kids are all standing in like a bunch. They look scared about something. There appears to be not a just monster the kids. maybe. Oh, I thought it looks like Christopher Columbus. <laughs> not, the, not the writer. The real original. Yeah, uh, he looks like a mobster, but he's wearing like a beret and like yeah. a pearl necklace, like, it looks like. And he's holding a gun. This is a little bit of a low-res box, so I apologize. Yeah. I couldn't find a better one. VHS collector let me down. And okay. then we have a skull wearing a pirate hat uh, on top of a pile of treasure. And it's all sort of cast in orange. It's like an orange glow for the whole thing. Um, yep. So that's the front of the box. Real Side executive of the box decision. has the Goonies and has that same picture. Every box is And then is on orange. the back of the box. Uh, the back of the box says the running time is 109 minutes. Oh. Which is an interesting discrepancy. Uh, okay. So when four this looks boys... Like, again, the UK box. Maybe the UK cut is different. I just... I couldn't find anything different. No, it's fine. Um, it's just the PG and the triangle looks like it. Okay. 
I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. When four boys find an old pirate's map in the attic, they embark on the fantasy treasure hunt of their lives. Tunneling through ingenious death traps set by the dreaded pirate, One-Eyed Willie, two centuries before, <laughs> a ruthless gang of criminals joined them on the treasure trail. Here's the thing I have to say. You definitely don't want to get One-Eyed Willie wet. <laughs> the Goonies face increasing danger on an exciting route to a skeleton ghost ship in the thrilling adventure saga from Steven Spielberg and Richard Donner. Richard Donner, who directed uh, Superman. Okay, so they're not real estate developers. They are other criminals. So I thought okay. it was more like they were fighting some business interests, but actually they're fighting against criminals who are also trying to get to this treasure. Uh, okay, so everyone is racing for this ship. treasure. Do you think there are ghosts yeah. in this movie? I don't think there are ghosts in this movie. I think there are like skeletons that like fall out of stuff. Um but I think, is there like an underwater, like they actually ride a, a ship down some water? I don't know. I really don't remember like the circumstances of this movie very well. Same. Uh, is there a romance in this movie? I mean, there's the one girl in the group, right? Yep. So is, is she like the spunky, I don't need a boy... <laughs> man or is she like you know sweet on one of the boys um i'm gonna venture or does it not touch it at all i'm gonna venture she is not interested in any of the boys but uh cory feldman is interested in her interesting guess uh anything else that you're getting no there's nothing else and then on the back of the box there are a couple of pictures there's but they're really hard to see because the quality is low and they don't really give us any information. Yeah. Uh, but Josh Brolin is like a foot taller than everyone else. Yeah. Uh, that we can sort of tell. It's interesting. I looked it up. Josh Brolin obviously comes from uh, uh, acting legacy. Uh, this was his first movie. And then he didn't really do acting again for like 10 years after that. Um, huh. Which I thought was interesting. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to wait to be an adult actor and not be a child actor. Um which I respect. Um, I guess it should be addressed somewhat, hopefully briefly. Uh, Corey Feldman seems to have had a terrible uh, life when it comes to uh, being a child actor and the stuff that happened to him. Really? Oh, that's sad. Did you not know that? No. That's like his whole persona now. is like, I was like... Uh, uh, dealt with inappropriately i'll say this as sensitively as possible um but like bad people did bad things to me uh when i was a kid and cory Haim also which is why cory Haim uh uh killed himself um so yeah it's very oh, sad very such a bummer uh i did find yeah. a better version of the back of the box uh this is one i apologize for the scamminess of this website but this is a better version of the front of the box so in this version of the front of the box you can see the ship in the background it's much less orange uh there's a lot more color the hat on the pirate is green and you can see mm. the criminal a little bit more clearly and he still looks a little bit like christopher Columbus. <laughs> uh, but then i also found a better back of the box uh, so this has a quote from the New York Daily News, a deliciously dizzy adventure with crowd-pleasing fun. And it says, The Goonies, a tightly knit band of misfit youngsters, are breaking up. 
With greedy developers about to raise the neighborhood, the kids spend a final drizzly morning together trying to find a way to say goodbye. Instead, they find a real, honest-to-gosh 17th century pirate map and set out on a dazzling, day-long quest for a treasure rich enough to save all their homes. Genuinely a totally different fucking movie than The Other Box and the, much more like the movie, we, the movie we remember. Yeah, I mean, that's what we described in you know uh, 10 minutes ago. We need to talk to whoever is writing these UK boxes. <laughs> the Goonies follow the map and their dreams and enter a fabulous subterranean world filled with caverns, crooks, skeletons, booby traps, a magical moldering pirate ship, and a marvelous milk toast of a monster. X-Raider football star Jarn Matuzuk who has swivel piglet ears and a face only Dr. Frankenstein could love. What is a milk and I, toast And also Popeye Jones's mother. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, creator of E.T., Indiana Jones films, Gremlins, Back to the Future, and other blockbusters, and Richard Donner, director of Superman, Inside Moves, and Lady Hawk, combine their cinematic wizardry to create The Goonies. The Goonies are good enough, sings Cindy Lauper in the film's title song, and you'll agree, because The Goonies is part Hardy Boys, part Treasure Island, part Our Gang, and 100% Adventure. That sets up much better back of the box, and it so actually good. describes the movie we saw. Yeah. Uh, so this is so bizarre. The UK, I don't think that people in the UK, like, understand American films. <laughs> Like, They're like a bunch of capitalist criminals, and like, <laughs> really, I bet you the pirate's name isn't even One-Eyed Willie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, something like One-Eyed Willie in it. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the oh, sitting in the back gosh. of the office. Okay, uh, this sounds truly uh, so good, so magical. Um, I the thing that I'm actually curious to uh, try to track because. I think you and I are different in, you know, like a Stranger Things, which, you know, I I think has certainly lost steam. But like, I am willing to be pandered to in that way, where you uh, are less so, um, and you find it like uh, a little uh, grating when when things I, lean that I, hard. I really enjoyed the first season of Stranger Things. Yeah. Okay. And I watched the second season, and I was like. This isn't doing it for me. I'm much more quick to drop shows than you. Oh are. yeah, but I'm just saying. I guess the con meaning. I I would really be really curious to track diving into more of the source material and then then thinking back on like a Super Eight, a Stranger Things, like these movies that like are trying to channel these or these these new new pieces of entertainment are trying to channel this like very specific '80s thing. I th I'm curious to like watch Goonies and then think about how these other things ah, are doing it in that way. You're basically saying like I like these movies when I see them. A part of the reason I like them is that they they have the like shared glory from these movies that I love from my childhood. Yeah. And if I watch them back to back, will it diminish the new one? Correct. Or will it boost the new one? It's interesting. It's an interesting question. I don't know the answer. I feel my my gut is that Super Eight is the best of the new versions of that. I really like that movie. Yeah, so did uh, I. But like, it, you know, it's, it's trying to do that kind of thing, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Right, well, I mentioned in the Jurassic Park episode that, that I watched Jurassic Park either right before or right after seeing Jurassic World, and that did not do Jurassic World any favors. Right, right, yeah. Uh, uh, it definitely impacts that so I, it's an interesting question i mean i'm obviously not going to rewatch all of stranger things no but just the goonies 
I, I, I haven't, like, I think whenever the new season comes out, I will at least have the Goonies fresher in my mind. Uh, then. True. Yeah. Speaking right. of fresh in our mind, should we watch the trailer? Yes, I just uh, skipped the ad, so I am ready whenever you are. Okay, here we go. Ready? Three, two, one, trailer. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Meet Mikey. I gotta go fast. Brand. Okay, Immedi- I was just talking about Stranger Things. I mean, the whole, like, four kids and Steve Harrington dynamic is, like, lifted completely from this, right? Josh Brolin is Steve Harrington, and he's, like, the older kid who hangs out with these younger, you know, nerds. So, like, I asked if it would, like, ultimately color my feelings of Stranger Things, but, like, even after watching that trailer, I'm like, oh, like, this is, like, too much of a ripoff in that way. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, yeah, it is call. exactly the same. Yeah, good call on the Josh Brolin being older thing. Um, but he yeah. looks, like, a decade older than them. Yeah. I he's, think he's four just, years older and three years older than some of them. Like, they're right. just small and he's huge. Puberty, baby. <laughs> he looks bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> He does look. He looks like he could, he could kick both our asses. Yes. Um, uh, also, the Gremlins uh, call out was great. Yeah, the Gremlin joke was very funny when he says, "What is this? Just like that prank about those monsters that multiply when you get them wet?" Yeah. Um, it looks awesome. It looks so good. It's gonna be great. What do you think you're gonna give this movie? Uh, ten. Yeah. What did I say I was gonna give Gremlins? I think I said I was gonna give Gremlins an eight. I think we're yeah. a ten. I think I'm going to give this an 8 also. A very good movie. Jurassic Park is really messing up the scale for yeah. me. I have to forget about Jurassic Park. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to give this movie a 9. Okay. That's my prediction. I was going to say 9, but like I think it's just the scale. Right. Jurassic Park and this are very different, but like I just think like this might be of those 80s movies. It has the potential to be like the best one. Yeah. I'm super excited. Are you going to watch with your kids? So my daughter's in sleepaway camp. I think she would really like this. Uh... 
by the time we have to record part two, she might be back. So I might either save it for her or watch it again. Uh, we'll see. Um, my eight-year-old, potentially. I'll see. I'll show him the trailer and see if he wants to watch it. My, by the time we watch this, probably five-year-old. Uh, uh, his birthday is in uh, 10, Soon. Nine, uh, 11 days. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I think, obviously, I know the answer for you because your daughter is still three. Uh, yep, a little bit too young. Um, but, no, I'm super excited to watch this. Well, here's a question, and then we'll... we'll, we'll Maybe it's a part two question, but I'm thinking about it now. Um, what do you think uh, happened is the wrong word, but let's just, for the sake of this question, what do you think like happened to Steven Spielberg where like the 80s were like all about like childhood, right? And then he like shifted into the 90s and it's like Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. And then like, na- like the 2000s and 2010s are like, Warhorse and Saving Private Ryan, like that type of like Bridge of Spies. He's like kind of like grown up. Like I am very interested in like a Steven Spielberg now going back and making a few of these movies. I actually, well, yeah, sorry. It's interesting. He hasn't, he doesn't, when he's gone, when he's, when he has gone back recently and tried to do the Steven Spielberg thing, it hasn't been super successful. So what's so an like, example? Like, what am I not thinking of? I think Ready Player One is sort of him trying to do the Steven Spielberg thing. Okay, but it's um, like it's like the the Steven Spielberg thing in a in, modern era. Correct, and I think uh, the BFG is yeah. trying to do the Spielberg thing. Um, and Tintin is an example of him trying to do the Steven Spielberg thing, and the. the, the the exception there is that I actually think Tintin is a good movie. I like Tintin. AI is Spielberg, uh, right? Well, AI is his best movie. But so you in could, my opinion. You, but I'm saying you could argue that like that's no, you could not argue that that's a kids movie. Not a kids movie, but like no, yeah. that All I right. mean it's 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 a Spielberg movie and that Spielberg made it and it's awesome, but it is not uh, it it's not like that sort of huge crowd pleaser like right. Jaws, Close Encounters, Indiana Jones, E.T. I mean, what a fucking run. Yeah. Uh, but but your, your, your thing's not exactly correct, right? Like, because he directed The Color Purple in 1985. He directed 1941, which is a war movie in 1979. Okay. Uh, he directed Empire of the Sun in 1987. So he, mixed, he always mixed it up, I guess. Yeah. Um, right, like 1991, 1993 are Hook, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. Right. Uh, pretty different movies. And then the next movies are The Lost World and Amistad. And then Saving Private Ryan. Like, that's the 90s. Yeah. Right? Like, um, that's a pretty different set of movies. It is just more recently, he's he's definitely gone into this older, more serious filmmaker era. Uh, yeah. Which... And he's he's talked a little bit about his impact on Hollywood to some degree and like how every movie is kind of the movies that he made in terms of like how they're pitched, like what type of audience, because he is sort of the like invented. He and George Lucas are responsible for the blockbuster. Yeah. Right. And like there is this sort of regret sometimes you hear speaking about where it's like, well, the only person who can make the sort of like drama whatever and have it be potentially successful is him or not he's like one of the few people who could get like a uh a fableman's made even right yeah uh at a big budget 
end of the big release. Um, but yeah, I mean, his 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 career is so interesting. And also, if you haven't seen the Fablemans, you really should because it's the best. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna see it. Um, it's I, I don't I have like a weird blocker against it because like I know it's good objectively, but like I feel like I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna watch it. I'm if gonna you enjoy find it. yourself um, asking this question, like I wonder what's up with Steven Spielberg. I'm interested in that person. Like what you just asked. You should right. see the Fablemans because it is like you will never see him the same way again. It is such an interesting movie about him, and it's like it's not like oh Steven Spielberg is so great. That's not what it is. Right. I saw one thing on Twitter. I've I've also like stumbled into like movie Twitter. Like you know like the algorithm on Twitter, like the for you, um, like keeps like feeding you stuff. So like mm-hmm. I've been getting a ton of like movie stuff lately. First of all, movie Twitter is so weird. It's just like. I stand this scene and it's just like a still image from like a Spider-Man movie and it has like 30,000 likes. I'm like, who are these weirdos? <laughs> like, why is this like a whole thing? But I saw one funny thing that was like, um, uh, after watching The Fablemans, which I guess is like about Steven Spielberg's like relationship with like his parents, whatever, uh, and Michelle Williams' haircut, um, Kate Blanchett's haircut in Crystal Skull is yep, exactly, exactly the same. The same. And like, that's funny. Uh, like, that's that's an interesting thing to like kind of uh, track when you watch the Fableman's you're just like oh that's why X is in his like is a theme through all of his movies it's oh, god the movie's so good okay we're talking too uh, much about the Fableman's on our Goonies episode which means it's okay, time fine. to wrap up plus I think uh, we probably already wrapped when we talked about who we were watching the movie with yeah uh, that's fine maybe we'll, we'll okay sounds good I'm excited to watch this and again like I, I do I like the idea of like creating these like little sets of movies where like sometimes we swing really wildly but like i'm glad that we're still in gremlin zone and going into the goonies um, i'm gonna pick a movie that we can talk about next and it'll be totally normal we're gonna talk about the color purple because we're definitely the right people yes (laughs) uh just kidding uh we are not doing that uh no uh okay fine uh let's go watch the goonies and uh we'll talk about on the other end cool Yeah, well, call me Jennifer Egan because I'm ready for a visit from the Goon Squad. <laughs> Bazinga! Uh, you you should. Do, Is that uh, even a zinger? <laughs> Obscure literary jokes. <laughs> um, also, uh, you're an Arsenal fan, so. Oh yeah, Gooners! Should be visit the from Gooners. the Gooners. Um, uh, well, you you. Uh, you moved this week, so I bet you have yeah, some stories. I have, I have a lot of usual bullshit. So we didn't talk about this on the podcast, but I made the decision to cheap out on the movers, uh, which was uh, an interesting choice because basically I, I, when we were planning the move, we knew that we wanted to be lazy about it and we didn't want to do any of the packing ourselves. And so I was like, I'm going to set up, I got a quote from two companies. The first company was like, we'll send a guy. He showed up to my house at probably 625 PM and he left at 627. So he was maybe in the house for 90 seconds. <laughs> okay. uh, um, and the next day he sent me a quote, 940 pounds to pack everything, load it onto a truck and bring it to a new place. Okay. Okay. Then the next day I did like a video call with another moving company and that was like 45 minutes to an hour. And he literally inventoried everything I had. And he sent me the inventory like six hours later 
and it was like exactly matched the inventory I had when I moved to this country because I also have a physical like a copy of that inventory. Right. Right. And he was like, it'll cost three thousand pounds and it'll take two days. And I was like, cool. So I have another quote that's nine hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> yeah. Could you maybe come down a little bit? And he's like, that's insane. There's no way they can do the job. So I called them, the first company, and I was like, so I think you guys maybe underestimated the job. Do you guarantee that you'll finish it? And they were like, no, no, no. Like, we didn't underestimate the job. We guarantee, like, we'll finish it. And I'm like, what happens if you don't finish it? No, like, no, no. We guarantee we'll finish it. And I'm like, okay, but. If you don't finish it, what happens? Like, in a day, you're saying. Right. Yeah, in a day. And they're like, okay, we'll come back the next day if we don't finish it. So they show up at 9 a.m. on the day of. Uh, and I'm like, great. I'm going to go with you guys. Like, sure. They show up at the yeah. day of with three people. The other guy was going to send five people for two days, right? They show okay. up with three people. And, like, they start packing 9 a.m. It's going well. It's so looking they look like they're making like a lot of progress. qualified movers as they're, like, packing your stuff up. Like, they look like they know what they're doing. They look like they know what they're doing. The thing that's always impressive about movers is how fast they wrap dishes and how yeah. fast they make boxes. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I, and okay, it's probably so they, not they what you want. It's skills. like, look how fast they're wrapping my delicate dishes. But like, but they yeah. had those skills. You can see yeah. them like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you can see. And and then at a certain point, they're all sort of like low-key arguing in Farsi. Now, here's the thing. I don't speak Farsi at all. But I can tell when it's like happy Farsi or angry Farsi. <laughs> You know, and like clearly the one guy who came in underestimated the job and the other two guys are super pissed because it's like two o'clock. They put the truck is basically full. None of the furniture is in the truck. Right. Okay. And so they're like, OK, we're going to have to make two trips. And then the thing about driving in London is like it might be a 10 mile drive, but it's going to take you an hour. Right. Right. So a, if they have to do that, it's two hours wasted. Right. right. Anyway, so they drive to the house. They come back. They get back to the house again at six. They're loading up all the furniture. They get almost all of the furniture in the truck. They do a bunch of things that I'm not going to say on the podcast because my wife listens to this podcast and she <laughs> doesn't want to know about some of the stuff they did to fit the furniture into the truck. Breaking like uh, legs off of sofas to get them in. Not entirely inaccurate. <laughs> um, the one thing I'll tell you because I did tell her is is I have a like a Weber charcoal grill, you know, like one of those big circular ones. Yeah. And what they first did is they had the they had the cover on it. They didn't even try to take it apart. They just lifted it up, turned it sideways, and jammed it in. And of course, was there charcoal inside? Yes, of course. It opened, oh, no. and all the ash just fell out onto your stuff. Yes. Oh my. And that, it didn't will, even fit. And it didn't even fit. So I'll segue okay. super quickly that we went to a, a soccer game yesterday and we parked next to people tailgating. When we were leaving the stadium, uh, there was like an opening. Like, you know, like you line up in rows and sometimes like the car in front of you is open. You can just cut through and go straight to like the next. Uh, so we did that. And we didn't realize that people left their grill. We just knocked their grill over. And like I got out of the car and like put it all, put it all back together. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So they they get all this stuff in, and then he just comes up to me and he's like, "The TV is not going to fit in the truck." And I'm like, "Okay, so are you going to come back and move the TV?" And he's, he's like, like "No, we can't do that again." He's like, "No, you just take it in an Uber." And I'm like, "Okay, not to brag, but I have a big TV. It's not going to fit in the Uber." Were you going to Uber anyway? Was he basically saying like you're going to Uber anyway? Like just take it with you? I don't know yeah. what he thought. Maybe he thought I was going to Uber. I was going to take the train because it would have been faster. But anyway, so he's like, "Just put it in an Uber," and I'm like. 
one, it's too big. Two, I can't carry it. Anyway, fast forward, me and one of the other movers are now in an Uber XL with the television, right? And the television's flat. And the, the other one of the movers is like, don't worry, I'll sit next to the TV. I, I, I'll keep, take care of it. Which, by the way, is the equivalent of you put a mattress on the roof of your car and you've got your hand on it. Right. Right? Like, he's not going to do anything. If a turn on that car is going to break my TV, it's going to break. And then the other thing. Was he holding a cup of water and did he spill the water all over your TV? (laughs) Yeah. Because I have experience with that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to put it in rice. Uh, He, he, uh, so anyway, so he's holding the TV. And the, the other thing about London is every London neighborhood is just like speed bumps everywhere. Right. Yeah. So we're just constantly going over speed bumps in this car. Right. And like the guy's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> uh, but as funny as that is, it is crazy of a decision. It was nothing broke. Uh, speaking of mo- having to move. Oh, yeah. So basically, you didn't even ask me why I moved. The reason I moved is a bunch of real estate developers are knocking down my house to make a golf course. Yes. And I couldn't find a treasure map in order to pay, get the rich stuff so that I could. <laughs> Buy my house the from them a lot. Uh, the Goondocks also sounds like a very London neighborhood, right? Oh yeah, uh, like the Goondocks is where like it's like where all like the the blue collar dock worker Arsenal fans live. That's the name of their yeah, neighborhood. It's season two of the Wire. The Goondocks. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, the Goonies. Uh, let's do the plot, right? That was uh, yeah. Can, should we? That was a good segue. Should we do the plot? Okay. Let's get Okay. Um, do you want to do the plot? How long ago did you watch this movie? Because I watched this movie right after we recorded, and then oh. it's been like a minute. It's been like three I weeks. I watched it a week ago, last Saturday night. Okay, so should I, should I well, try? Oh, oh, okay. Do you want to do the plot, or should I do the plot? Do the plot, and then okay. I'll, I'll, I can chime in, and then, yeah. Here's the plot of the movie. A bunch of kids uh, who are friends. Um, okay, so Sean Astin, a.k.a. Rudy, a.k.a. Samwise Gamgee, uh... But none of those are his name in this movie. No, I honestly don't know his name in this movie because I just kept thinking, oh, that's Samwise. Uh, what is his name in this movie? Uh, what's his name? God, he has the normal name. He's the only one without a. He's the only one without a nickname. Okay. So anyway, so he and his brother Josh Brolin, aka Thanos, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, Samwise Gamgee and Thanos. Um, Live with both of their parents. I assumed one of them would be divorced. Uh, they they don't seem to be divorced. We never meet the. Or we you don't meet, meet the dad, the dad but you, you see the dad in like a cutaway. I think. Uh, well, no, we meet him at the end. He takes oh, right. the contract. That's right. You yeah. meet him in the end, but you also see Forever. him at one point in a cutaway. I think. Uh, okay. So uh, they're having to move house. All of them and their friends are having to move from their house in Oregon. Yeah. Um, because a real estate developer is like buying up all the land to build a golf course. Mm-hmm. And um, all of his friends come over and they decide to go into the attic because their dad, who is like a museum curator, has brought a bunch of cool stuff home. And he's like, no, that's my dad's. I have asthma. I have asthma. That's kind of his character is that he yeah. has asthma. And yep. um, anyway, he has a lot of asthma in this movie. So much yeah, but it, there's a, it's it's not quite Chekhov's asthma, right? Because like it never becomes an issue. No, it's it's like, um, the inhaler never goes off. Is in what the, I'm, is in what the in, in on the Blank Check podcast, they call it a blender from uh, that Will Smith movie, Enemy of the State, where he's just like really obsessed with his blender. It's just and a character detail that right. isn't important to the plot. So right. his character detail is he has asthma. 
Mm-hmm. Right. There's never. You're right. There's never any tension where like, oh no, he's going to be out of breath and like he can't find his inhaler and he might die. Like, never yeah. pays out. It's just here's a character detail. He he's obsessed up. with his asthma. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> well, his inhaling. mom is more obsessed with him. With, with like his mom doesn't want him to go outside on like a summer day because it will trigger his asthma. Right. Okay. To his so, credit, he at least does. So they're sort of home alone and. They, they hire a uh, Hispanic woman to pack up their house because they have to move. And Correct. Mouth, mouth uh, translates Corey, everything to her in Spanish, but he like makes so it sound funny. like it's all sexual torture devices. So funny. <laughs> Very funny. And then, okay, so then they, they go up to the attic and they find this map. And they're like, oh, this is this legendary treasure from One-Eyed Willie. Uh, it's buried in this area. Like, we should try to find it. If we find this treasure, maybe we can buy the houses and prevent them from having to sell to this real estate developer. Um, and so they go out in search of the treasure. Now, the thing I skipped is the actual opening of this movie is there is a prisoner who pretends to hang himself and he's like found by a prison guard and he has like a note. The prison guard opens it and he's like, ha ha, you dummy or something. He's like, you really thought I would kill us? And then he like punches the prison guard and runs out of the cell and his mom and brother are waiting for him. And here's the first funny note I made. The person on the box that we thought was Christopher, was Columbus, Christopher Columbus was the mom. <laughs> Who does look like Christopher she Columbus. She does. But she's wearing like a beret. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I have the same okay. note. So then, um, anyway, the Goonies go, they go on this adventure. Just, I, I don't want to slow you down too much, but just there is great humor in the early uh, going of the movie. Some of it, I guess, hasn't aged well, like the fat phobic stuff for like chunks. The truffle and, shuffle. But like the truffle shuffle. But like uh when he's like when he decides he like wants the map but doesn't want to break his dad's thing, he gives Chunk the the frame. He's like, Chunk, can you hold this for me? And then he counts down and then he drops it and it breaks so we can get the map out. Like there's good like stuff like that. And then, the, like the mouth stuff with the you know the way he talks, like it's funny. It's when charming. We, it, when we get to the like our reactions to the movie or our like ratings of the movie, there's a really interesting comparison there with Super Eight that I want to make. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the dynamics between the kids is incredible. Like they're, yeah. they're super fun to be with. They're very funny throughout, but this is yeah. actually a very quick plot to recap, right? Because yeah. the so next thing they do is the brother, the Josh Brolin is like, you can't go on this adventure. Mom told me to keep you here. You can't leave. And then they, they tie him up and they put, they stab the tires of his bike. And then, they go on the adventure. They bike to where they believe the treasure is. Josh Brolin chases after them. He steals some little girl's bike. <laughs> and he's riding this little girl bike, which is a really funny visual. And as he's riding this little girl bike, uh, he gets passed by, like, uh, this his, like, rival, basically. And the girl the he has a crush on. Son? The real estate developer's son and this girl he has a crush on yeah. who are driving together. And then that guy, like, puts his hands on the car and, like, holds him in place and then drives really fast and, like, launches him into the woods. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So great stuff. Um, anyway, he's fine. Okay. So they so go then, to this like seasonal restaurant. They go to this the seasonal winter. restaurant, and the the criminals are hiding out there. And, and and Chunk had seen the criminals, the car chase, and he was telling yeah. them about it. But Chunk is always telling tall tales, and so they don't believe yep. him. Uh, and so then they get there, and there's like a guy in a trench coat who's going in to the building. And they see him go in and he doesn't come out. And then later they find that guy's corpse. But we have to talk about who that guy is because I had a total misread of I thought because the real estate developers, when they come in, we're like, we're getting your house tomorrow. We're also wearing trench developer. coats. Yeah. Well, it's raining. 
Uh, so I thought that that was the real estate developer who got killed. And then when they showed me the end of the movie, I'm like, wait, who got killed? <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> um, yeah. Who is so that wait, guy? So wait, who got killed? And by the way, I Googled it. The answer is some like FBI agent. It's a non-character. Yeah. Uh, so well, anyway. uh, as my research will show, there are were multiple plot lines that ended up getting cut from this movie. Yep. Okay. Right. So then they go into this restaurant, and they're like, uh, they like have a conversation with the criminals who don't immediately want to do anything to them. Well, they're following like uh, the map and this uh, doubloon, and so like, right. they feel like they're on the right track, and that the treasure is in this restaurant. So even though right, they go they like, first explore the restaurant, seems, and then the criminals yeah. come back. Right. So Chunk right. is like, these guys. Uh, this seems uh, like a bad idea. But Rudy uh, is so God. We should really know his name. <laughs> is so insistent on getting this treasure because he's like, if we get the rich stuff, which I don't know why they keep calling it the rich stuff. Like it's cute one or two times. That's all they call it. Yeah. He's like, if we get the rich stuff, uh, we can save our house. So like, yep. he doesn't want to leave. And Chunk's like, no, no, this is dangerous. Yeah. So then the criminals show up. They're really mean to them. So, so here's what I would say about the rest of the movie. They go on an adventure to find the pirate treasure, and also Sloth is there. That's kind of the rest of the plot. Yeah, they go on this adventure. There's a lot of it's like Indiana Jones. There's like it's a lot of business. They, they, There's booby traps. Yeah. The girl gets involved as well. That Josh Brolin has a crush on. At one point, Rudy she kisses, kisses Rudy her. because it's yeah. dark, and then he has to do his asthma inhaler. That's the closest the inhaler comes to paying off. <laughs> right, uh, and. There's uh, like going on. I mean, Rudy. Oh God. Maybe and so the uh, chunk. Google his name. Chunk meets Sloth. Right. So, the, so sorry. Oh, so criminals chunk like tie Chunk up. No. So what happens is because all, all the other kids get underneath. Yes, they find the fireplace and they leave Chunk in the freezer. They ha- okay. They find the body. It falls out. They're like the criminals are coming back. They obviously killed someone. We should get away. They put the body back in the freezer and. Chunk uh, gets locked in the freezer with the body, which is played for jokes, but it's probably an incredibly dramatic thing to happen. Yep. So uh, basically, they all are in the grate. They move the fireplace. They all climb it and find this like you know cave. But then they, they hear the bad guys coming, so they're like, "Chunk, climb out the window. Get the cops. We're get gonna help. hide down right. here." But then Chunk so gets Chunk caught by the criminals again. Help. He's on the road. He's like the Fratellis. They escaped, and then it's the Fratellis, and they take him, and he tells it a bunch of really... By the way, Fratelli, very close to Scapelli. Yes. Also, Fratelli, uh, they're called the Fratelli brothers. Fratelli in Italian means brothers. (laughs) The brothers Uh, brothers. The brothers brothers. Uh, So there's a really funny scene where they threaten to put Chunk's hand in a blender if he uh, doesn't like to tell them what he knows, and he starts confessing like a bunch of hilarious things, including that he went to a movie theater, sat in the balcony took like pea soup or something and made a bunch of vomiting noise and spilled it on everyone <laughs> below him. Uh, Steven Spielberg did that in real life. That is a really? real thing he did. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's basically that scene in Game of Thrones where Tyrion confesses at his trial to like all the yeah. times he masturbated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, so the Fratellis basically go after the kids, not because they know about the treasure, right? Just because they want to like, uh, no, because the, the kids, kids know about the dead body. Yeah, exactly. so they, they, the kids so are they go after the kids, but then so they find out that traps. there's also a treasure. Yeah, there's a bunch of booby traps. Uh, there's not even they, that many booby traps. There's fine. There's a few booby traps. Right. There's a world famous explorer who there was an article in the Father's Attic about like he went looking for the treasure and never came back. Right, they he find died his on body. the booby trap. 
Yep, they find his body. They're like, if this guy died, we, you know, and then they keep They're like, if this guy died, we'll never find the treasure. And then, like, they find the treasure. Yeah. Data, like, falls down a pit and then shoots his uh, catchy teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Catches himself. You're right. There's more than one. There's more than one. Yeah. Oh, there's piano they have to play. Uh, Yeah. No, there's there's a few traps. There's a few traps. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Okay. So they go through the tunnel. They ultimately find One-Eyed Willie's treasure. Yeah. And then the and it's a galleon. It's like a huge ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they find and then the, the Fratellis find, find them. Yeah, sorry, you continue. There's like a, they make like a huge explosion. They like blow something up, right? At the end, but the, first they find them, and then uh, oh, and then Sloth shows up. So, so Sloth Chunk, shows up. Sorry, so Chunk after the Fratellis get the truth out of him about where everyone is, they lock him up with Sloth. Yeah, and then Chunk shares a baby Ruth with yeah. Sloth. And they become besties. Yep. And then when the Fratellis capture them on the, or like corner them on the ship, Sloth shows up with Chunk and Sloth goes, hey, you guys. <laughs> and yep. he opens his shirt and he's wearing the Superman shirt. Yep. Uh, again, not established in the movie, but probably because Richard Donner directed Superman. I think going so, yeah. into the movie, you this? know that there's a Superman connection. Right. They right. play the Superman theme when he opens his shirt. Right. It's extremely meta, though, because it is not in the text of the movie that Superman is important to any of these characters. Right. Okay. Uh, That's fair. But it's interesting. It's like an interesting metatextual thing. Uh, that yeah. Going in, you obviously know the director also directed Superman. Right. Uh, okay. So Sloth saves them. And then the Fratellis get arrested. And as everyone's like out on the beach, the Spanish galleon, like just is going out to shore with yeah, all the well, treasure sloth on sloth saves them after the fratellis like walk them out with guns and make them give up all of the rich stuff they found oh that's they, right they walk the plank they have to jump in the water so they're already in the water and then sloth comes beats up the fratellis but then the kids are you know it's only like a temporary stay of execution or whatever like the fratellis are still there with guns and stuff so the kids have to run away and then they like bl- blow up the wall with dynamite accidentally they think it's a candle and then yep. but the point is they go on this huge adventure and like Sean Astin is trying to get the rich stuff to like save his family's house and they're forced to leave without the money right. um which is like very disheartening to him um then then uh when they get rescued on the beach they ultimately find he had one, he he emptied his marble case right and he had like, saved a bunch like, of jewels yeah and yeah. then so then the 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 cops are there and like the the media is there but then like the the golf course guy is like you've you've evaded me he's just there here's the contract like, you've evaded me yeah he's like you've evaded me long enough sign this contract and then he finds the jewels and like oh never mind and then the ship sails out Yep, in the background, and the and Fratellis get arrested. There was one other thing we have to touch on, which is that in the first half of this movie, we hoped that the that sloth was not the result of like, oh, he's developmentally disabled or anything like that. And it, they do reveal that he is like that because he was dropped as a baby. Dropped on his, yeah. Um, but that yeah. gave him super strength and a Popeye Jones face, and <laughs> um, that's not great. But it's not great. It's not but great. he's very endearing. Yeah. So, okay. So, now we've recapped the plot. We actually did it pretty fast, which is unusual for us. very fast. Yeah. Uh, how far are we? Oh, my God. because you did it. Crazy. 22 it's minutes. Cause, it's because uh, you did it. Well, also because, genuinely, it's mostly a, it's a hangout movie. It's not a ton yeah. of plot. So, what did you yeah. think of the movie? I loved it. 
I thought it was great. I'm really on the fence. I'm very torn on this movie. Here's here's okay. here's my thing, and Megan actually put this really well. It's kind of like an amusement park ride. When you're on it, it's super fun. And when you're off of it, what you remember is that when you were on it, you had a lot of fun. But you're not like, yeah. oh, this part was cool. Like most of the movie doesn't really make any sense. Like, why no. is Sloth in the movie? Just like why is he even in the movie? Right? So why are there criminals about. and real estate developers? Right? Yeah. Like, it's not a very good movie. But the dynamic between the kids is so incredible and the adventure yeah. is so engrossing. Like you're just with it the whole time. That's what yeah. I mean. Like it is really this this roller coaster. When you're on it, you're just like, this is so fun. If we had recorded this episode right after I watched, I would have been like nine out of ten. And, and the more I think about it critically, I'm like, I don't know that this movie's any better than a seven. But the okay. experience of watching this movie is so good that I'm giving it an eight. Like I'm sticking with an eight on this one. I just Okay. <sighs> I'm giving it a nine. I'm giving it a really? nine. But here's something interesting. So while I was doing research on this movie, I came across this thing, which wasn't really research, but like I kind of read it and then I thought more about it. And so here's here's the thing. The the I think beauty of this movie is like the entire movie is like through the lens of these kids. And so like it's a crazy mashup of genres because like that's like how it, when a kid like daydreams an adventure that's what kind of comes of it and the movie like brings that to life so like there's a pirate treasure but there's also like uh criminals like chasing them and there's also like like all of these things are like mashed together because like so the 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 uh inception of this movie conception of this movie steven spielberg conceived steven spielberg went into christopher columbus's chris columbus's <laughs> dreams yeah. it was like goodies Exactly. Yeah. So it's really weird because you need to earn your father's love by writing the Goonies. (laughs) (laughs) So Steven Spielberg came up with this movie while he was uh, filming The Color Purple, which is pretty weird. Um, But literally, I haven't seen The Color Purple. It's not this. (laughs) I was saying it's not like this. It seems different. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, this is a real mashup of genres. I don't think that genre is included. Even. No. But the only uh, thing that he came up with was, what would a bunch of bored kids do on a rainy day? And then he sent that to Chris Columbus. And was like, write a script about this. And like, be- so basically it's all through the lens of like, what would a bunch of bored kids do on a rainy day? And like, what kind of like, what would they get up to? And so like, all of these genres get like blended together because like that's what a kid's imagination is. You're, you're selling me on that a little bit. And the idea of it being a kid's imagination. I do think when you examine the text critically, it is a little bit lacking. And I think that you could sort of make that argument about any text that's a little bit lacking. Like, oh, well, sure, Transformers Dark of the Moon doesn't make any sense. But like, it's a kid's movie. Like, totally. <laughs> But what you say, it does make, hmm, it's a really good argument. It's a really good yeah, argument. Yeah, and I would say, like, in this in particular, right, you could say any bad movie, like, but, like, this movie, I think, sets a certain It's so template. fun. It's not a yes. bad, it's definitely not a bad movie. Because it no, is, it while mean, you're watching it, it, it is, like, just incredible. It's an incredible world. Like, that's, so the Super 8 comparison is a similar thing, where the thing that's great about that movie and I almost said great about Super 8, which rhymed and would have been annoying to me. The thing that's great about that movie is um, the dynamic between the kids. 
Right. And you literally do not need there to be an alien subplot. Or it's not a subplot. It's the plot. Right. right. But you just don't need it. You don't need the alien plot of that movie for that movie to be great. And it's kind of true of this movie. Like, there's yeah. just a lot of stuff in this movie that you could probably cut out of it and it would still be great. Because what's great about this movie is the kids hanging out. Totally. Um, yeah. And that, but like, I also. But does that make it a bad it, movie? No. <sighs> in eight. I'm sticking. I, your argument's very good. It. It's a very strong it, argument. In eight's a good, a good score, number one. But I just think, like, it's also because, like, like we were talking about in the first half, it does set the template for, like, a super eight, but also just, like, for a lot of movies that were going to come for the rest of that decade. Like, yes, it, it's, like, pretty extra in that way which i think there is like justification for because like also like horror with sloth like it's like all these things that like what a kid would dream up and so like i think it's intentionally stacked up that way but like the core of like kids on their bikes who have that dynamic Mm -hmm. and like you know get up to something uh like a bunch of movies like that followed and so like i think it is but like it's it's just such a pure like it's it's such a pure distillation of that like it's like the the blend like the kitchen sink version of that um but like because it's the original it's just like oh like they just like went for all of it uh right. and i watched it with my kids and they yeah were, so what did like, they think to they loved it like to your point about like uh like getting like swept up in it they were like yeah they thought it was so fun no while um, you're i literally like if you look at my letterbox like i rated it at nine and then like the next day i was like I don't know that that's a nine. I lowered it to an eight. And then the next day I was like, I don't even know that it's an eight. I lowered it. And then I'm like, I put it back up before we recorded. Like, Oh, nice. I just have keep editing it because it's not a cohesive plot. Obviously. Right. You don't like, you can't think about the movie. You have to think about the ride, which is like very different. And right. it, it's, it's part of, it's something you've mentioned on this podcast, which is like, or maybe you've mentioned it to me separately, but like, this idea of like while the act of recording this podcast and examining these movies in this way doesn't necessarily do these movies justice in terms of how we right. experience them as kids. Uh, totally. Which is fair, but like it is hard. Like this one in particular, I feel like is really hard to examine as a text. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I like it. What did you just say before? It's not about the movie. It's about the ride or something. Yeah. I was going to say that's like the opposite of how they wrote Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, <laughs> it's a movie about the ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, there's it's it's a uh, it's very overstuffed. It's very silly. Uh, it it doesn't it doesn't even hold together. Like the most basic question is like, were there ever like pirates in Oregon <laughs> like probably not I don't, why I don't so. does Chunk yell hey you guys when he shows up why it's is he wearing a Superman t-shirt not Chunk uh, Sloth Sloth sorry why is he wearing a because Superman t-shirt because Chunk used to say Chunk says it previously that's like how he how he addresses them so he taught it to Sloth okay to like fine be part of the crew fair but why is he wearing a Superman t-shirt I think it's because of the meta joke right. uh, about Richard Donner, which I also wanted to point out about Richard Donner when I was uh, researching for this movie. So two episodes ago, we were talking about gremlins. And we were talking about uh, the gremlin on the wing of the plane, the Twilight Zone. Uh, you know, the, that's like the, mm-hmm. what uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, William Shatner is like, there's something on the wing. Something. <laughs> what is that from? Family Guy or something? Um, <laughs> Probably. Uh, so uh, Richard Donner directed that. That was like his big break. Uh, that person, like it was like one of the most famous episodes of Twilight ever. Huh. Uh, so you called that out specifically. Um, so he directed that, which I thought was interesting. So some other interesting um, notes I made during the movie. Yeah. Um, Rise of Skywalker ripped off this movie. 
So remember, he has the coin, and he holds up the coin to the coastline, and then it yeah. lines up and shows him where the... Oh, that's is. how she finds Luke You Skywalker. might not remember in Rise of Skywalker, she has, like, the knife that has the Sith etchings on yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. she holds it up on the indoor, and it shows her where the Death Star crashed. Which, I mean, fuck that movie. But, like, <laughs> it literally rips off this movie. Like, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> there is a point in this movie where, uh, oh, Mikey is his name. Mikey. Yeah. And uh, they find a one-eyed Willie pendant and it, it legitimately is a penis like okay it looks like balls say, and a like, shaft like <laughs> i was gonna say like was that intentional yes the, the, the pirate's name is what i'd really and his pendant is a penis right that like he's wearing uh, around his neck for the whole they also movie. um break the penis off that small statue of david yeah uh, which is great also very funny and then they put they put it on upside down, so it looks like he has a boner, which is also really funny. Um, so then the other thing I noted is that in the first half of this podcast, we we read the UK box, which was all about the criminals, and then we read yeah. the US box, which was all about the real estate developers, and like barely mentions the criminals. The UK box is more accurate. Yeah, the criminals it's, are far more important. It's not as compellingly well, written. The, like the US box has right. better writing. But it really overplays the real estate developers and underplays the criminals. Well, to the point that we all thought they were one character. Right. Yes. So the real estate developers as characters are not important. But as uh, plot devices, they are. Right. This entire thing is like Mikey's last attempt to not go quietly into the night. Like, he wants to save his house. He right. wants to find the rich stuff so that they can stick around. Like, he can't handle... That's yeah. I I would deduct a point just for, yeah, um, yeah. So, so speaking of things that look like penises, when I ask, when my daughter tells me she's going to draw a picture of me, <laughs> she only draws two things. One of them is a penis with arms. It's literally a penis with arms. That's me, <laughs> or sloth. And in her words, she says, "If I'm drawing daddy, it's." She says this. It's a big, big head. That's it. That's how she draws daddy. She just draws a big, big head and then different size uh, eyes and ears sticking out of the head. So literally, I'm either sloth or a penis. Or one-eyed willy. So this entire movie, this Is movie you. just captures me. It's, I'm either sloth or one-eyed willy. So then you should show this to her eventually just to show her like where she's subliminally getting inspiration from. So... I think this movie is probably in the canon. And I think part of the reason it's in the canon is not just that it's so fun. I think the other part of the reason, and you tell me if this is true, but I think it's true, is that this sort of childhood is so similar to our childhood and will be totally foreign to our kids. I think that's true. But I also think that, to take it further, this type of childhood was the type of childhood that we like idealized. Like We had a version of this, but we wanted this version of this. Right. But this right? was, like, it was a trajectory that was like, it was the maximal version of our childhoods. Yes, exactly. Which I think is utterly unrecognizable to correct these days. And I think it's, it's sad. I would show it. So this is the thing we'll talk about. But like my, when I was a kid, my dad specifically wanted us to see To Kill a Mockingbird. Because it was a movie about basically his childhood in Charleston. Not that, in the right. same way that Goonies is a movie about our childhoods. Right, like none of that stuff happened to my dad, but he's like, this is so similar to what it was like growing up in Charleston in right. the fifties, right? And so he wanted us to see it because it was like an expression of his childhood in a way that we couldn't understand. 
uh, or the way that we could understand, we could sort of see what it was like. And I think The Goonies is kind of like that, um, plus friends for me. <laughs> the Goonies is more aspirational for you than anything else. Well, what I think is like really remarkable about this movie, and again, this is why I think it should score very highly, is because like they're both Steven Spielberg joints in a way. Spielberg, I guess, executive produces. He didn't direct this. Sorry, I want to say they're both. I, I said you're about to say something about Hook. Part of my head. No, no. Although, yeah, Hook, I guess, maybe undercuts us a little bit. But like Jurassic Park and this are very different movies, obviously. Um, but they both have like a like wondrousness to them that like Steven Spielberg is like uh, uh, <laughs> for the listener I just made the Spielberg face yeah you looked you looked wondermented um, <laughs> but like I think to his credit like we it, it becomes like cliche but like what what he does with movies like movies can be a lot of things they could be like thrilling like you know like a mission impossible that's probably a bad example because like they also have like some element of like cinematic wonder to them but like you know horror movies like comedy movies and they're all very enjoyable for different reasons but like there's like a wide screenness and like a like it like hits you right like in your chest for steven spielberg movies that like transcends the genres that he does so there was a there is a i think it's a quote but there's this concept that they had when they originally made the writers of the lost ark which is specifically so Spielberg, Lucas, and Lawrence Kasdan when they were working on Later's of the Lost Ark. Their intent with that movie was, we want to make a movie that is only the good parts. Yeah. And the, the premise of that is, we're just going to go from great sequence to great sequence to great sequence to great sequence, and the characters are never going to slow down and explain things. There's never going to be slow dialogue sequence. Indy's going to run from a boulder, and then he's going to do something cool, and then he's going to shoot a swordsman, and then he's going to do this adventure. And you watch that movie now, of course, it's a lot slower pace compared to modern action movies or whatever, but right. like at the time, that was a really radical idea. And I think that that's what you're kind of getting at, right? Which is like, these movies have this, this like propulsiveness to them. Yeah, and there's, like, something about, like, the way in which they're crafted, which is, like, I mean, he's uplifting the is not fucking quite best. the word. He's just yeah, the best. Like, uplifting is a weird way to put it, but, like, it just makes you feel good. Like, everything that happens, you're like, oh, that's so fun, and that's so good. And, like, in this movie, it's, like, the kids' dialogue and, like, this adventure they're going on, you're like, ugh, like, this is, like, what a movie should be. And, like, Jurassic Park is, like, these dinosaurs and this, like, that's what a movie tension. Jurassic Park is what a movie should be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, That's but, like, the best movie. Spielberg, like, he's just really good at this, which is um, why Hook was such a baffling. No, it's such a I mean, bummer. Hook, Hook is such a bummer. Yeah, it had, but it had certain uh, elements of this. You but, should, and I, this is going to be like my podcast, my fortnightly plug. Just watch The Fablemans already. It's so I will. good. It's fine. I'm happy to watch it. The Fablemans uh, is like my new social network. Like you tried to get me to watch the social network for like three years. Oh, yeah, years. that's true. So now it's me trying it. to get you to watch The Fablemans. Yeah, because social network is great. I was an idiot for not yeah. watching it sooner. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's fair. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so some some quick hits about this movie. Yeah. Uh, nothing too too deep. Uh, so obviously Spielberg and Chris Columbus, as we talked about on the last podcast, they uh, worked on Gremlins together. So first of all, again, Spielberg was like off doing like the the color purple, and he's like had this idea, and he's like Chris just wrote the Gremlins uh, with me, like. Um, I'm going to send him this idea and have him flesh out the script. So that's what he did. And then in this movie, there are two references to the gremlins. Uh, number one, uh, when Chunk calls the cops, 
Uh, mm-hmm. The cops are like, oh, you, this is like the time you tell us about the gremlins. And then also in um, Mikey's room, there is a um, gizmo on like the toy shelf. Um, oh, I so didn't that, notice that. That's cool. Yeah, that's fun. Um, what else? Uh, oh, so here, Richard Donner uh, directed the movie. It, you know, he did a good job. But like uh, all of these kids were like basically first time actors or like very early on in their acting career and the energy was like incredibly frenetic these kids were like troublemakers they were always like at a very high tilt because like they were like making a movie they were like having so much fun and like the energy of all these kids together was like out of control and like it was very hard to wrangle them and also like so a few things about this number one is like very hard to wrangle them number two they were so self-consciously trying to act that they were like very canned in a lot of their dialogues to the point where um they wouldn't like let them rehearse. They would just like, and so like he was trying to like elicit like r- like natural reactions out of them. So he never showed them the uh, pirate ship, which was uh, a full life size scale pirate ship. Like that was real. Um, really? Yeah. Oh he wow. He built it, a huge pirate ship, and he didn't show it to the kids. So until that they filmed that scene. So they like took them into the room. I guess like the whatever like blindfolds whatever, and they tried to get like their take of like their like wonderment of it. But the kids were so uh, in shock by the scale of the ship. Half of them just cursed a ton. And half of them didn't say anything because they couldn't handle it. So they had to actually shoot it again. But he just wanted like some rea- natural reaction, which I thought was really funny. Um, but then at the end of the filming, he like couldn't take it. Like he couldn't be around the kids anymore because like they were, they were uh, just too, too much. So he went on vacation to Hawaii. And Steven Spielberg put all the kids on a plane to Hawaii and showed up at Richard Donner's house. And they're all just like, Richard! And they're all just like jumping on him and like annoying him, uh, which is great. There's a whole documentary actually about like the making of this movie. And like, that's a big, a big scene. That's in it. really um, funny. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, oh, so Chunk uh, really wanted to be in this movie, obviously the actor, um, but he got chicken pox. Uh, so he didn't tell anyone. <laughs> And he just like showed up to set with chicken pox. And in the truffle shuffle scene, if you look closely, uh, you go to jail. A, if you look closely, his, you go to jail. His stomach is true. His stomach is covered. That's in actually pox what that movie like, Sound of Freedom is about. It's about people looking closely at Chuck <laughs> doing the truffle pausing shuffle. truffle shuffle. Um, but if one were to pause truffle shuffle, uh, you would see he has uh, chicken pox on his stomach, and they had to like cover it up with makeup. Uh, God, that movie, The Sound of Freedom, so depressing. Um, I mean, I actually don't even know if it's a good or a bad movie. It seems to me like it just means Hollywood should be making movies for all audiences. Like, yeah, that's like the a idea, like, totally reasonable takeaway. Like, um, yeah, except for like people are like, AMC is intentionally tanking this movie by turning off the air conditioner. No, they're just know? shitty at being a movie theater. Like, relax. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's even not that Sound of Freedom is depressing. That's just literally everything is depressing. Like, yeah, everything is, is the worst. AMC is a terrible movie theater. And because AMC is a terrible movie theater, people have terrible reactions to it. And everyone's just terrible. Uh, yeah, that's true. Everyone yeah. is terrible. It's a you good should just away. be more like the Goonies. I have one other bit of research. This is a callback to the first half of the episode. In between episodes, I spent a little bit of time thinking about what other Transformers would be if they were Jewish. And the only thing I could come up with, and maybe I'll do this every week, we'll see, maybe this will be a continuing bit or not, but what if Megatron was Jewish, he would be called Meshugatron, because that guy's crazy. (laughs) 
<laughs> my sugar drop. Please keep this up. I want to keep this up. Um, all right. I don't know that I have that much. I mean, I had other research, but nothing is like that's the real Decepticon. <laughs> oh, one. <laughs> Not Decepticon. Um, Whoo. Uh, one other piece of research is uh, the map they made for the Goonies. Uh, that for the uh, like the map that they use, the treasure map. Uh, they like made it up, and it wasn't dirty enough. So the costume designer uh, in his uh, hotel room, um, he used uh, like coffee to blotch it up, and uh, he still needed some more. So he uh, cut himself and used his own blood uh, to, <laughs> to make it authentic. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, speaking of new recurring bits, all right. That's all. I mean. There's probably other research, but that's fine. Are you going to do film Twitter corner? Is that what you're about to yeah. do? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, this is completely unrelated to this podcast. Uh, I only have a few of them because I don't want to bog it What's, down too much. What scene are people standing this week? Well, so here's just a few, and they're all related to X-Men. There's nothing to do with this. We should have saved this for the X-Men episode. Uh, too late. But, okay, I'm going to quiz you. Okay, okay. here's uh, three tweets. Okay. The first tweet is from a guy named at the Snyder Knight. With a K. Sounds uh, totally normal. Definitely yeah. a normal, well-adjusted okay. person. The tweet is a picture of uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And it says, nine live-action Superman, eight live-action Batman, three live-action Spider-Man, but there is only one live-action Wolverine. That's the tweet. That's a. That's true. Know. That's accurate. How many likes do you think that tweet has? Oh, boy. 85,000. 118,000. <laughs> that's why? Who Why? are these people? They're just like, oh, I it's pointed a out a fact. nothing tweet. It's a fact. It is a complete nothing. But this is, I don't understand. I don't, I find it very baffling. Okay, here's another Wolverine tweet. There is uh, three pictures of Wolverine. There's Hugh Jackman in the new blue and white suit that yep. people are. AKA Hugh Jackman. Yep. And then two pictures of cartoon versions of the same suit. And it says, uh, did anyone else call Wolverine X-Men as a kid thinking it was his actual superhero name? Zero likes. I, negative I, likes. I'm assuming negative likes. likes. Negative. Negative 43. Uh, in actuality, 38.7 thousand likes. No, that's stupid. That's a, that's a stupid tweet and people should feel stupid for liking it. Yeah. I will like, never promote this podcast on Twitter or x.com because <laughs> that's the stupidest bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life. Continue. Yeah. What's How your third tweet? <laughs> How do these tweets go viral? I don't understand. The last one is not as good. I should have led with this one. Honestly, you should, none of them were good. No, I know. They're, they're good bits, like, but they're all terrible tweets. Uh, it is, scrap the multiverse saga and give us Avengers versus X-Men. Another no. random statement. I mean, I, that one, like, I, don't, I just don't care. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I have not seen Ant-Man and into the Quantumania. Uh, I, should know, we just make just, this podcast about Marvel? Should we just be like, um, uh, I don't know, I can't even think of a nerdy Marvel thing. Uh, just, who are these people? I, and th- again, this is an, an inclusive podcast. Is Modoc going to come back? I don't know. Like, come on. Yeah. Is that what this podcast I, should be? But the, so here's the thing. If you want to like speculate about the plot lines of these movies, sure. People just like, Stan, stan random things and then like find 
in in Twitter parlance, like a hundred thousand mutuals. I don't get it. It's so weird. It's very strange. I'm going to keep bookmarking these tweets as I see them. Uh, I mean, the the tweet that you didn't mention that was the best tweet that happened, I think, since we've been recording this entire podcast was that one guy who was like, there should never be sex scenes in movies. Haven't you experienced that awkward thing when a sex scene comes on and you're watching with other people? And what he doesn't quite say in that podcast is when you're watching with your mom and dad because you live at home. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, oh God. Uh, Twitter discourse breaks people's brains. Well, luckily, brain. now it's called X discourse, and every problem is solved, and it's a perfect website. That's right? true. Um, you saw, like, the whole, like, PayPal thing, right? That it was originally also called X? Yeah, like, Elon Musk. X is, is like the coolest letter involved. when you're 14 years old. It's either right. X or Z. Everyone has an X or a Z phase. Where those two letters, like either one of those two letters is the coolest. I'm sure there's some people who are like, actually, I thought J was the coolest letter. But, like, it's X or Z, right? Yeah. You you grow out of it by the time you graduate high school. Unless you uh, are the coolest person ever. I guess. Also, speaking of speaking of weird Twitter stands, a lot of people out there really, really like Elon Musk. Yeah, um, well, fuck. All, if you listen to this podcast and you like Elon Musk, delete this podcast. Unfollow. Unfollow. There's so many of them out there. Yeah. I would like you to unfollow and go like a tweet about Hugh Jackman being the only Wolverine. (laughs) I want those sweet, sweet listens. Uh, Elon Musk. No edgelords allowed. Jury's out on Elon Musk. That's our official official (laughs) stance on this podcast. Jury Uh, is in guilty. Guilty. I'm I'm naming this. I heard that he directed (laughs) Hook.com. Guilty. He shadow directed <laughs> Hook. He's guilty. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Well, that's the Goonies. The Goonies was great. Nine for me, eight for you. Um, so fun. Uh, what are we talking about next? It's your choice. Uh, oh, it's my choice. So I think we're connecting yeah. this movie on Corey Feldman to the Ninja Turtles movie. Teenage Mutant which Ninja Turtles, Teenage I Mutant I think Ninja I remember, Turtles, but I might mostly remember Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Use. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Because Secret of the Use was one of my all-time favorites, but I do think we should do these in order. Yeah. And those two movies are slightly confusing. The third movie is hard to confuse with the first two because it takes place in feudal Japan. Uh, which gives it a little bit of Where a different. They can't vibe. find a pizza anywhere. Correct. That is <laughs> that is actually that the is plot. one of the main plots of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm super excited to talk about Ninja Turtles. I'm I'm curious to see how we get out of Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah. If we don't just go on Corey Feldman again. <laughs> yeah, Ninja Turtles is a bit of a, a black bit of a black hole, hole but uh, I'm excited to do it. It'll be fun to do it, um, and then we could do a. Uh, partial remake with the new Ninja Turtles which I'm very excited about Um, that movie looks rad yeah it looks uh, god what's the saying they say cowabunga it doesn't look cowabunga cowabunga dude or Um, as my favorite line in Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Use when all of the turtles jump into the window and they're all saying like cowabunga radical and then they go to Donatello and he goes Frere Jaca and they look at him and they're like huh and he's like parastroika he just like can't come up with a word for cool. I don't remember that. I, anyway, oh, yeah, more we'll of that in our next episode. <laughs> Maybe I'll just clip this and that'll be Give our you. teaser. <laughs> okay. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye.